Welcome to the Tech Culture Podcast, a podcast about careers, products, and business ideas related to tech. I'm your host Kostub. I'm your host Prashant. Hey folks, welcome back. For the last three episodes, we have been doing a deep dive of Y Combinator Winter 2021 batch, and today we are going to continue that. This episode is going to be the final one in Y Combinator deep dive series. In our seventh episode, we talked about niche e-commerce and SaaS B2B products. In our sixth episode, we talked about marketplaces and consumers products, and in our fifth episode, we talked about fintech products. Today, we are going to talk about products from industrials, developer tools, wellness, and food industries. So far, we covered at least two or three companies for each sector. For the following sectors, there were simply not enough contenders. So, without further ado, let's start away. Let's talk about the industrial companies present in this cohort. The very first company that we are going to talk about is called Alba Orbital. This company operates in pocket cube niche. So what is a pocket cube? It is a type of miniaturized satellite for space research. Typically it has a volume of about 5 cm cube and it has a mass of less than 250 grams but definitely always less than 1 kg. So the goal of this company is to encourage more people to build and launch their own satellites. They support companies, universities and space agencies around the world. Some of their notable customers are Stanford University, CMU, Carnegie Mellon University and European Space Agency. In collaboration with a European Space Agency, they developed a platform called Unicorn 2 to design, manufacture and launch pocket cubes. On their website, they claim that they have launched 6 satellites into orbit and they are going to launch another 9. in quarter 2 of 2021 via SpaceX the total number of satellites launched by them is more than all other YC companies combined so after reading this i got curious and it seems like there are only 13 pocket cubes that have been ever launched all across the world six of them have been brokered by alba orbital pardon for the interruption what are pocket cubes used for alba orbital is launching their own satellites dedicated to imaging the earth at night so they have coordinated this night lights satellites through this project their goal is to create the world's highest resolution data set of the earth at night they are going to sell access to these photographs at $1 per square kilometers nighttime imagery has lots of applications it could be used to track urbanization and socioeconomic dynamics it could be used to evaluate armed conflicts between countries and disasters it can be used to investigate fisheries assessing greenhouse gas emissions and energy use it could also be used to analyze light pollution patterns they also claim that they can see events within minutes such as wildfires in real time and they already have signed 41 million dollars of lois that is letter of intents uh, seems like for all intents and purposes a pocket cube is just as good as regular satellites well it is definitely smaller than regular satellite so its features and the problem it solves are going to be generally smaller mm-hmm. however it is definitely much cheaper to launch pocket cubes due to their small size this company also helps in licensing your satellites as well as provides ground station to make contact with your satellites and they have raised a total of 3.5 million dollars in funding till now The next company in industrials domain we are going to talk about is Enode. This is described as Plaid for energy consumer products. So if you remember we covered Plaid in our third episode. Plaid is a fintech business using Plaid 
Other companies can connect consumers' financial data like bank accounts, investments, and liabilities to their own applications. So there have been a large trend of lead for X businesses. Even in this same cohort, there are four other fintech companies which are working on this concept. Those are Financier, which is played for Southeast Asia, Fintalk, played for Latin America, Mono, which is played for Africa, and Terra, played for health, fitness, and wellness. So this company is based in Oslo, Norway, and it builds APIs that connects electric vehicles, solar panels, batteries, and heating hardwares to energy providers. Consumers can connect their energy hardware to any of the application which uses eNode. The hardware supported by eNode right now are electric vehicles and smart chargers. Other than that, solar panels, energy storage, and heating sources are in beta mode. Let me describe some of the interesting use cases for eNode that I found on their website. So the first interesting use case could be smart charging. The problem is electricity prices changes throughout the day. To reduce your electricity costs, you need to find what would be the optimal time to charge your vehicles. So this depends on factors like vehicle's current battery level, the charging rate of the vehicle, as well as price of the electricity and other factors. So users can connect their vehicle and charger to your application using eNode and eNode's API will optimize the charging schedule for the user's vehicle. The second interesting use case I found for this was EV route planning. So if you are using an electric vehicles, the optimized route for a trip can be hard to calculate. So the optimized route depends on battery state of your vehicle as well as the charging locations. So using eNode, you can create an application and user can connect their vehicle to your application using eNode. And then you will have access to use vehicle battery level and range, which you can use to create optimal route for them. So the next industry I want to talk about is developer tools. And the company is Dendron, which is marketed as Notion for developers. When starting the podcast, I introduced Prashant to Notion. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't used anything else for note keeping in a while. Yep. Notion is pretty great. And we use it to organize this podcast as well. And I use it for long-term notes. Dendron is basically hipster Notion, which is waiting to blow up. And why am I saying that? Because the hipster juniors from my college won't shut up about it. So I already knew about the tool, but never used it before. Seeing Dendron as an entry in Y Combinator was a pleasant surprise. A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Dendron is like a personal knowledge management solution, and you can also use it as a daily planner or a company internal handbook. There are a lot of similarities to Notion, such that you can make a page public, like having your blog as a Notion article. Dendron is open source, local first, markdown based note taking tool. And the creator himself had a need for this tool because he had 20,000 notes for his own personal knowledge management and he could not organize them well. If you view a sample Dendron article, each article has backlinks and it's fuzzy, so it works great. On Dendron's website, you can also find their YC application, which is interesting. So Dendron is primarily a VS Code plugin, but don't let that fool you. Most coding courses now recommend this as people's first IDE, and the first IDE is the lasting IDE. My quick take is personally, although I love organizing stuff, Dendron is not something I would use because the feature set is covered well by Notion itself. But Notion is a company with 10 to 50 employees, and Dendron is managed by one single guy. So it would be interesting to see how Dendron 
grows and matures into a much organized knowledge management solution. Before we continue with the rest of the products, we want to thank you for continuously listening and supporting our podcast so far. We do have a small request for you this time. It would be highly encouraging for us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcast. You can leave your comments about what you like about the show as well as your ideas and suggestions on how we can improve the show. Also, we'd be more than happy to read your feedback on the air and share it with our audiences. We are looking forward to hear from you and we appreciate your support very much. Moving on to our only entry in the wellness industry is Chorus. Chorus is an online group meditation class which is led by live instructors. It has a monthly subscription fee and it is one of those things which did not necessarily grow because of the pandemic but it will grow in the post pandemic boom. The idea of building a community and putting a paywall around it is very similar. So if you're in a yoga center you do the same. You talk to people in your class and like form personal relationships. Let's say you are a yoga center, you can do something similar. You can just have classes on Zoom, make it somewhat customizable. You can consider the customers as objective products that you can sell as a community. Meditation is like in general hard to do. Every time you're doing, you're constantly thinking, am I doing it right? And it might be one of those things that you do well in a group setting. For Chorus, the UI is a lot like Zoom or I think it's just Zoom. Every instructor or teacher that they have, they are listed on the website. Basically, the instructors play music during the live sessions and what kind of music they like and what kind of vibe they have because it's so customizable people can align well with their own teachers. And the experience that Chorus tries to offer is focused around the social and fun experience. It also has like an on-demand video library apart from the online sessions. As I've already mentioned, it might be one of those companies that blows up due to the post-pandemic boom. At $40 a month, this definitely sounds like a steal and this could be very beneficial to manage your stress level. Moving forward, the next industry we want to talk about is food and within food I want to talk about mesli. Think about college, most people on weekends used to get up at 9 a.m. or sleep at 7 a.m. because mess used to be open from 7am to 9am on weekends cooking by yourself is like a chore unless you are good at it or find it interesting and it's one of those problems if you find it interesting you become good at it over time i am not necessarily that kind you are willing to spend more on uber eats because it gives you the convenience of not having to put in effort into making food mesli are basically auto kitchens There's the concept of ghost kitchens which are delivery only virtual kitchens most of them are outsourced to pop and mom stores or like traditional family owned businesses one of the good examples of this is Mr Beast's burgers thanks to the covid huge uptick it's a good alternative to restaurants because people don't need to visit a ghost kitchen physically the meals that Maisley offers are classic mediterranean bowls and you can assemble by choice like what kind of rice you want like what kind of meat options you want or you want a vegan bowl Ordering is pretty similar to Uber Eats or other food delivery services but the final step in food creation which is the packing the bowl is done by fully autonomous measly boxes or robots and these robots can work for 48 hours or 300 meals before they need to be serviced by human again because they spend so less time in the packaging part they can have a convenient price point at something like $5 their whole USP is to focus on healthy options This unique concept of a company was mostly possible because the founders were PhD students in robotics hardware. They also have one founding chef who creates and curates the dishes. 
if I was in the Silicon Valley, probably I would just try it for the podcast. That is all for this episode of the Tech Culture Podcast. You can find the links to all the topics we talked about in the show notes. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TechCultureBot. Catch you the next time. Bye.